because yeah, the idea of editing it later is is blowing my my pea brain. Uh, why don't you welcome people back, Simon? Okay, folks, you better welcome back to another episode of Maybe Next Time. I am your host, William, with my co-host, Simon McCormack. Yeah, it's Nation. we got to get through this. Okay, um, we <laughs> we are very excited back to welcome... Back, as we are each and every unrelenting oh, sorry, week, sorry, Simon, sorry. to talk all <laughs> things Nets Nation. And do we ever have a special guest this week? Simon, why don't you tell people about him? Folks, we are talking to friend of the show, Steve Lichtenstein, who you can hear on um, the City Game podcast, and you can read his um, columns at WFAN.com. Um, he is uh, your source for very clear-headed um, uh, analysis of the Nets. He also covers the Jets and um, the Devils um, for WFAN. Um, so we're going to be talking to him all about, um, you know, James Harden and the Nets' future. Kyrie Irving, Irving. our center position, open roster spots. It's a deep dive into the mind of Steve Lichtenstein. Uh, all right, Simon, you ready to turn to that? Yes, I'm ready. Okay, and then we will be back after that to talk more Nets with you. All right, Simon. All right. Okay. Um, we are here with uh, WFAN's Steve Lichtenstein, who, as I said in our intro, um, covers the Nets, Jets, and Devils. Um, you can hear him on his uh, City Game podcast, and you can read his columns, um, which are some some of the best, uh, truly, some of the absolute best Nets writing um, out there. Um and, um, so I, I just, um, Steve, we're going to ask you, you know, a, a number of questions here, um, all about, you know, James Harden and, and other uh, ramifications of the trade. Um, but I, I just sort of want to start by asking your, your general thoughts. And I know that your, your column sort of alludes to this, your latest column on, on the trade, where you say somewhere in Russia, Mikhail Prokhorov is smiling. Take it away, Steve. Well, uh, <laughs> it's an all-in trade. There's no question about it. It's it's different than the 2013 blockbuster from with uh, Kevin Garnett and Paul Pierce because you know Harden is 31. He's not ancient, uh, and assuming he's in shape, and I think he'll have to play himself into shape because there's not a lot of time to practice. You know, in, in this. Uh, condensed schedule, but you know, they're going to score. There's no question in my mind that if you're going to go all in, why not go in with the leading scorer in the league for the last three years? So the problems that I had with the trade, I mean, number one, they didn't get any protections on the later, the, the picks in the latter years. I thought that, you know, that was a little too risky. That, that, that kind of me, that uh, kind of tells me that, you know, the future they don't care about right now. Uh, and I think that's a mistake, but I guess they had, that's something they had to do. And the second thing is, is I was hoping that they could pry PJ Tucker away from Houston because their the word is he wants out. He's a pending free agent. I'm sure he'd love to go play 
on a team that has a chance to win a title. And he's exactly the type of player they need. Someone who'll do the dirty work, guards various people, rebound, and he can shoot corner threes. So uh, I don't, um, I was disappointed about those two things. But otherwise, you know, it's hard to argue, you know, trading players that were good, but when you're getting an MVP candidate. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, William, do you want to you take it? Sure. So, Steve, one thing that you intimated in your article was that you thought that this felt like a decision that ownership might have had some influence over. Could you explain uh, why you think that might be? Because everything that Sean Marks has been telling us for the past five years all of a sudden went out the window. Things like culture. You know, James Harden is not someone who you build a corporate culture around. I mean, there's been the report on The Athletic that talked about how uh, he would dictate the travel schedule if he wanted to stay in, in a particular city for an extra night because he wanted a party. He, they would stay there. If, uh, you know, they had a film session scheduled at any particular time, he would show up whenever and everyone else would have to wait. Uh, he did not train. Uh, I, I, don't wanna, I don't know how to put this because uh, I don't want to defame him in any way, but uh, he definitely looked like he played himself out of shape last year. And, you know, there were questions about his conditioning. So he, that number one was, you know, he's not a culture driver. Number two is flexibility. By trading away all of the picks, what are you going to do now to get the added pieces around him? Now, he may have a plan up his sleeve that, you know, the buyout market will be bountiful. Uh, He could use uh, the, what is it, $5.7 million if the league grants a disabled player exception for Spencer Dinwiddie. But, you know, again, flexibility culture not more he just said like not maybe maybe a month ago or two months ago we're not going to mortgage the future well you just mortgage the future so to me this sounds like it got a push from other people whether it was kevin durant who everyone is saying had conversations with harden in the you know in the off season and durant has a direct line to ownership that is that is well known so uh, I, I have to imagine that Joseph Tsai had a big hand in this. I don't know if it was the same as Prokhorov telling Billy King to get it done or Prokhorov's minions from Russia telling him to get it done. But it definitely uh, feels like it was something that Marx wouldn't ordinarily do. Mm-hmm. Mm, that's some interesting <laughs> court intrigue there. <laughs> I'd love it behind the scenes. Well, yeah. Do, do you think that any of this has to do? Do you think that this trade still happens and, and that the Nets give up as much as they give up if Kyrie were not kind of in this weird nebulous MIA status? Well, you know, if you believe Sean Marks, he says no. He was asked that directly. Uh, you know, everyone else can have doubts. It could be you said it's Kyrie insurance. We don't know if Kyrie Irving is where, where his head at his head's at because they haven't told us and he hasn't told us. So uh, if James Harden can alleviate the stress on Kyrie Irving, 
that's a good thing. I don't, I don't see Irving's status uh, hindering it one way or another. I mean, Kevin Durant, I've always said this team is going to go as far as Kevin Durant takes him. Irving's a fantastic player, marvelous skill, the, probably the best ball handler ever. Uh, but the Durant, I think you've seen, is the driving force behind how far this team will go. Yeah. And how do you think from a basketball perspective, uh, Kevin Durant and James Harden in 2021 are going to be together? Obviously, they have a history, but when they played in Oklahoma City, uh, Harden had a very different role. He was a six man. He was coming off the bench. Now he is coming out of a environment in which the entire team was oriented around his style of play where he would dribble the ball out for the entire play and then either take it to the rim, shoot a three, or draw a foul, essentially. That was the entire structure of the play. So how do you think Harden is going to fit next to KD? Is he going to be able to switch back to a secondary role? Should he switch back to a secondary role? Or even with Kyrie on the court, could he be you know the third, third guy on the court at any time? Well... To me, I don't see a problem with Harden and Durant. You mentioned at the end there, yeah, there could be an issue with Irving. Uh, but I will say this. Durant, I haven't looked at the tracking stats, but I, I haven't noticed him really holding the ball a long time. He's a kind of, I give it, give it to me and I'm going. And so if Harden dribbles the ball for 10 seconds and, and then passes to Durant, I don't think that hinders the offense too much. Because Durant can create his own shot in about three seconds. Uh, Irving and Harden, you know, that might clash a little bit. But again, if they play 36 minutes each, you're really only talking about, I forget what, I guess it's 18 minutes that they have to play together. Mm-hmm. So, you know, they can be staggered. Now, I'm hoping Steve Nash can understand the concept. He, he's done better lately, you know, when it was Levert and Durant. But, uh, if, if he staggers the, the units properly, you know, he could minimize the time on the court where Irving and Harden uh, each have the same style where they want to drive the offense through dribbling. Durant is not a, a driver through dribble. You know, he doesn't drive the offense by dribbling. He attacks pretty much right away. You know, he'll get the ball on the post, make, you know, pull the ball for maybe two or three seconds, make a move and either shoot or pass. Yeah, and and I, I'm curious what you think about either whether these three players will will play defense. I think we've seen some encouraging things from Durant on, on that front. At least I have. I've been impressed with how good he's been on on defense. But ultimately, you know, you have three players who are eating up the entire salary cap, um, and you have three or, or maybe four, depending on how things shake out with either the disabled player exception, if we use that, or um, there's talk of adding a second two-way player, but three or four um, positions to fill. Do you think that there's a route where we could get some kind of semblance of a defense, or is it just sort of like an all-in kind of like, um, you know, Suns-style team where, where of, of the, uh, you know, the, the seven seconds or less Suns, where they basically said, we're not really going to be good at defense. We're just going to we're just going to be so good at offense that it gives us a chance. Well, I, 
<laughs> I agreed with your early point that Durant might be their best defender now. Uh, yeah. He's, he's been very impressive with his one-on-one defense. Um, I think you're going to be looking at nights where they are not giving full effort, and that includes DeAndre Jordan as well. Um, and those will be, you know, they'll have to win those games 140 to 135. Um, and if they're not shooting well that night, they're going to be L's. I think they're they're going to be, you know, they have factored that in. The, the question, though, is, you know, will they be playing defense in the playoffs? Because they can turn it on. I mean, we've seen Harden, you know, he's got long arms. He can create steals. He'll body people if he's, you know, has to switch onto a big. You know, Kyrie Irving can't do that. But Kyrie also is not a terrible one-on-one defender when it comes to ball screens. He was just, he's just not always engaged. So <laughs> yeah, I don't think we'll have an answer to that until the playoffs, unless, mm-hmm. you know, Marks pulls a rabbit out of the hat and finds, I don't know, like a Trevor Ariza type or, you know, or gets somehow gets PJ Tucker to, you know, help out with the, the dirty work, as I like to say, get, you know, grab all the loose balls. So you mentioned a name that, I was I was going to try to hold off talking about for as long as possible, but since you mentioned it, we'll just go there. Uh, our center now, our starting center, whether we like it or not, <laughs> is DeAndre Jordan. He has looked pretty awful, especially defensively this season. He's virtually immobile. Uh, he's big. He's still very big. Um, but losing Jared Allen is a gut punch to this team defensively. Um, not to mention he was really our only uh, provenly good young player under 25. Uh, what do you think they're going to do at the center position? Are they just sitting pat with $10 million a year DeAndre Jordan, or are they going to have to find someone else? Can we get minute, real minutes from Perry and Nick Claxton one day, or uh, what are they going to do? Is Jeff Green really a center? I, I, I'd like to hear what you have to say about it. Well, you talked about DeAndre Jordan, what I call his selective efforts. If you recall, he did the same thing last year. You know, the first 20 games or so, it, it was it was really bad. But again, I don't think people remember that Jared Allen had a really rough stretch. And DeAndre Jordan was the better basketball player for a good chunk, you know, up until the hiatus, you know, in March. And Allen had a very good bubble, but... I think it says a lot that the players the Nets gave to Houston, they didn't want them. They rerouted everyone but Karutz. I mean, I think we have a tendency as fans to overrate the players we root for. And Jared Allen, you know, still young, developing his body. But I don't think he has the same value around the league, especially coming into a restricted free agent year where people are like saying he can get a hundred million dollar contract. I don't think anybody, I don't think a lot of teams see that value that Nets fans did. Um, And your question as to what they're going to do, I think they're going to wait. I think for a while you'll see Deandre Jordan get, you know, 25 minutes. I think you'll see Jeff, Jeff green get like 10 minutes next to Durant. And, you know, then the combination of Perry and Claxton, when he returns from his knee injury, uh, you know, they'll be in the mix as well. And then I think we'll know around what's the, the deadline now. Like that might be March, March something. Um, that's when players can be bought out. 
we'll see if there's anybody out there. I mean, he's got, uh, you know, the mid-level exception, the taxpayer mid-level exception to throw out there. So uh, it'll be interesting. They have three roster spots right now. So, and they have said that they're in no hurry to use them up. And I think it would be a waste if they gave like one of them to Chris Chioza, who's a two-way player. And that's pretty much what he is. He's a, you know, probably be a good G League player, but he's a, you know, a bubble NBA player at best. So I don't, I think Marks would, is wise to hold on to one or two of those roster slots you know, see what comes up around the deadline. Right. And do you have any, um, for me, I've been hammering on this for years now, but I would like to see the nets get tougher, um, one way or, or another. Um, now our flexibility is, is quite limited, but I'm wondering if you have anyone out there either that hasn't been signed, who, who's you know s- still available to be free agent signed, or someone that you think might be available as a buyout candidate, um, who could add like toughness and t- to your to your earlier phrase like do the dirty work, get the rebounds, block the shots, um, hustle for loose balls, those sorts of things. Yeah, I don't really have any player. It's too. It's just too soon. I mean, even the Knicks think they can squeeze into the playoffs at this point. So, you know, until we start seeing teams fall by the wayside and then we'll have a better idea of which veterans are going to go to you know, go to management and say, look, I'm not resigning here next year. Trade me or buy. And, and if you can't buy me out. Yeah. Um. What what is your sort of sense? I'm I, my my other question, and this is sort of going further down the road. But I know as a as a longtime Nets fan, you have experienced not even that long, just pretty recently, you have experienced not having any pick, being a terrible team with no first round picks. Um, I'm curious if you see some sort of scenario where, let's say, this year. For, for example, things are just obviously not going to work. And if, if you think that there's a trade, there, there's a possibility, some way that we could recoup some of our trade assets if we decide, okay, Kyrie Irving is not going to work for this team, but he has some trade value. Or, you know, you know, James Harden really, you know, isn't going to work for us. Let's, you know, let's trade him and and get back some of the some of the picks we we received. Do you see that happening, or do you think this is just a truly all in? We should be prepared for seven years of of no um, draft pick control. Well, you're going to have seven years of not their own pick. You know, here's a trivia question for you. You know, the last pick the Nets took with their own pick they're going to go from 2014 to 2027 without owning their own first round pick <laughs> you know who the last one was who mason Plumley. oh boy well you know he's boy he'd be, he'd be great on the team right now wouldn't he <laughs> yeah, well anyway so uh your question is look the, the next two this year and next season this this is all in this is going to be the team they're going to try to go for it if it fails and Durant, Irving, and Harden opt out, you really clear up your, your salary caps you know, book and you can do what you did before. Buy, you know, take on bad contracts, get picks, you know, do what Oklahoma City did, do what, uh, you know, what a bunch of teams are, are doing. Picks, uh, again, picks aren't that hard to acquire. 
It's just you have to clear your salary cap first. And, you know, these guys have two, at most three years if they don't opt in. And most people think they're going to opt out after the 22 season. Uh, you know, you, you, got a free, you got a full salary cap and you don't have to use it. You can use it in trades to acquire picks. You know, teams are a lot of teams are going to be uh, over the cap and they're going to want to send draft pick compensation over to Brooklyn, just like how they got to this spot. You know, with yeah. the, t- taking on Timothy Mozgov, taking on Damari Carroll. You know, that's how they acquired, uh, you know, some of the assets that they just traded. They got right. bought Bogdanovich. They traded Bogdanovich for the pick that became Jared Allen. Right. Thaddeus Young for the pick that became Karis LeVert. Right. Okay. I've got, I've got a lot more questions, Steve. Uh, <laughs> how about, let's go with a, a subjective one here. What, do you enjoy watching James Harden play? Um, it depends. I, I'm one of the guys who roots for laundry. If he's efficient <laughs> and scoring points and the Nets are winning, I'm behind it 100%. You know, when he was on Houston, you know, and I'm watching a playoff game against the Lakers, it's kind of boring. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I, I think I asked this of Greg Logan on a podcast because he was totally against the uh, trading for Harden. I'm like, Greg, are you saying you're against it for really, you know, basketball reasons or just because the aesthetics were were not good? And I think you have to make that distinction. I think, you know, he's one of the most efficient scorers out there. I mean, he gets to the line, shoots threes. He passes. I mean, he, he once led the league in assists, I think, like three years ago. Yeah, he's averaging over 10 assists a game right now. It's just, you know, you got to deal with all the behind the back and between the legs dribbling and running down the shot clock. I think he'll be a little bit better. I think the Nets will try to ask him to go quicker because, you know, if he doesn't have the shot right away, someone else will, and you might even get the ball back. <laughs> yeah, and and the foul hunting I think is something that aggravates people who are watching him. Well, you know, I'm I'm a very I'm very much against floppers, and I'm curious to see because the Nets never get calls. You know, ask Spencer Dinwiddie, and you know he'll he'll think he'll tell you the refs have something against you. Well, he won't tell you, but the looks he gives you <laughs> suggests that he's not happy with the you know because Brooklyn has never been a a marquee team that gets those kind of calls. So I'll, I'll be curious to see if, you know, all those whiplash head snaps, neck snaps, you know, draw fouls the same way they've done in other places. Um, one thing that I've already begun hearing on some of the national podcasts are burblings of a Kyrie Irving trade. Have you heard anything about like that they would trade Kyrie Irving for, you know, a center and something else, or that maybe the situation is already getting to the point where it's untenable with him. Have you heard anything from the organization or people within the organization that would suggest that that, that there's any basis for thinking that might happen? Or is that just completely off the table because of KD's relationship with him, how much they've invested in him over the last year and a half, things like that? Well, let me put it this way. Obviously, we haven't heard anything. Nobody's heard any of that. And anyone who says that is, is, you know, not 
being uh, truthful in their reporting. The only way Kyrie Irving gets traded is if Kyrie Irving has to be traded. And I don't know if we'll hear about that because the Nets can't trade him right now. He makes so much money. He's not even playing because his, because we don't know why. You know, for some reason, he you know, decided that he needs to take, an abs- take absence. Who's going to want to trade for a guy making $30 million plus who doesn't want to play basketball for whatever reason? So uh, I, the Nets aren't looking to trade him. I think uh, the Nets would be fine, you know, if Kyrie stays out until he wants to play because, you know, a, a damaged Kyrie is, is, is going to be a negative. You want him out there, you know, fully invested. So I, I don't, my personal view is I don't see him getting traded this year unless he, unless he asks for it. Do you see him coming back in the near term? I would think so. I, I maybe the uh, the COVID protocols, the, the the time that he has to quarantine. Uh, I, I think if he doesn't come back in the next week or so, I'd be concerned. If he doesn't come back sometime this week. Yeah, um, and is is your sense that? Um, I mean, I, I, I guess. I, I wonder. To me, it's it's just so hard for me to believe that Kyrie will um, defer that he will be fine being based. I mean, he is. I think all three of us would agree the third best of the big three. But I would basically bet any amount of money he doesn't think that. Um, so I guess my fear, and I'm not sure if you share it. My biggest fear with this working is is whether Kyrie is okay um you know sharing and sacrificing i think so i mean he's played a a bunch of games with durant and he acknowledges that durant is the best out of them all Um, yeah so i I think again the potential for a clash between irving and harden is there but i don't think again i think this is all coming down to durant i think you if, if the game is on the line he's the one that you know Last shot, I want it in his hands. Yeah. Um, uh, William, do you have uh, anything else? Yeah. Uh, Steve, are you actually going to any of these games yet? No, unfortunately. And to be honest, it doesn't really make sense. The, play, the, the writers that are there, mm-hmm. they can't congregate in the media room and talk to people. They go straight to their desk. After the game, they're on the same Zoom call I am from my home. Right. So, you know, what, I don't have, I don't see the necessity uh, of going all the way. I'm in New Jersey. I don't see the necessity of going to Brooklyn to do the same thing I could do from home, watch the game. If, you know, when I went, I was talking to scouts, I was talking to players, coaches, broadcasters. You know, learning things, getting interviews for the podcast. I can't do any of that there. So uh, it's it's a shame, especially now, because finally they have a team that can contend for a championship. And, you know, the fans are stuck at home and I'm stuck at home. Yeah. How are you? How are you communicating with any of those people that you used to talk to at, at games? Zoom. Uh, I mean, you know, D- DMs electronically. That's the only way uh, business is getting done these days. There's no more face-to-face contact. 
the, the, the writers that are there, they can't go in the locker room. They, you know, they, they can talk to each other, but they, you know, I think they're, they have to stay socially distanced while they're there. Yeah, we can't wait to get back to actually see a game one day, but who knows when that will be, of course. Um, okay, I got I got one more perhaps silly question. Uh, I'm a big Nick, Nick Claxton fan, and it's, it's more or less groundless because we haven't really seen him do much except for very brief flash, flashes last season. Is Was there any buzz about him in the preseason that you were hearing about before he was injured or was was has he basically just been injured the entire build up to the season and then throughout the season i don't think he practiced once um so the the you know we don't know where he's at and where he'll be the again because they're not really practicing it's going to be really hard for him to get back on the court for a long time uh-huh. You know, maybe he can do some individual drills when he's cleared for that. But they're not going five on five. So uh, it's it's going to be I, I think he's still weeks away, uh, not even close to coming back. You know, I think Claxton has potential, too. I think it says something that the Nets wouldn't give him up. Um, I'm sure Houston inquired about him and the Nets uh, want to keep him around. They were, they were, you know, they made him take roadie. Yeah. I think, <laughs> I think the moment when I fully lose it this year will be when I hear the announcement that Nick Claxton has been traded to the Houston Rockets for PJ Tucker. Can't happen. <laughs> Cause I know. Cause <laughs> I the salary. Tell you, yeah. That can't happen. I will tell you that. <laughs> okay, uh, good. My sanity will remain intact then. Right. <laughs> um, do you, okay. My, my last question, Steve, and then I think we'll, we'll let you go is just, do you have anyone who's out there that you want the nets to, to get? Or is, is, are there, is there no one that you're particularly interested in, well, like in terms of free agent? I, I caused quite a stir on Twitter. Not, not that that's hard, but uh, <laughs> before, before the season, I was all, I was saying you can do a pretty good package for Blake Griffin. I thought Blake Griffin would have made this team a championship contender and you wouldn't have to give up as much because of, you know, his injury history, but you know, guy who's got size, terrific passer and, you know, a three point shooter. And I think, you know, they didn't have to give away seven picks to get him. Maybe you give away one, maybe you don't have to because, you know, Detroit doesn't want to pay him, he has a terrible salary for the next two years. So I, I thought that that was the player that they should have gone after, and they passed on it and went and did get hardened. So that was the player they targeted. He's an MVP candidate. It's hard to argue. Yeah. All right, so what is your prediction? Where are the Nets ending up? Eastern Conference Finals. They'll be. Uh, I think they will be in the Eastern Conference Finals. After that, it depends on... The, you know, health, uh, you know, who they have, who they added. So from, from the team that I'm seeing right now, I think this team will get to the Eastern conference finals. I don't know if they can get, again, it depends what, the, what they are at that time, whether they make it to the finals. Yeah, no, that's, that's, I think, that, I, have, I think the ceiling I have is a certain... bet with somebody. Oh, go ahead. I have go a bet ahead. with somebody with that. That's next two years. They're getting to an Eastern conference finals at least. So I'm sticking with that. 
no, I think that I think that should be a pretty safe bet. I definitely think Harden raised the ceiling. I didn't think they had enough with just Kyrie because of what we're seeing right now with Kyrie. Um, he's in and out uh, both for uh, injury reasons and other other reasons. So I well, never I'm, really trusted I made, that. I, I made the bet before Harden was traded, be, and, and I wouldn't go past the finals because I really thought Philadelphia was going to trade for Harden, and I don't understand why they didn't. I mean, if they if it was because they didn't want to give up Tybal or Maxi, that seems pretty ridiculous. Um, but if if they had gotten uh, Harden instead of the Nets, that would have been the team that came out of the East. Is right it, now? Is I it at Nets, all? Uh, that, is it at all? Maybe disconcerting that even with Daryl Morey in Philadelphia, who knows and by all accounts loves Harden more than basically any uh, GM in the league, still wasn't willing to put Maxi into a trade for James Harden? Does that say that maybe someone who knows him perhaps better than anyone else in the league is not as high on him anymore as he maybe once was? And could that be based in some information he has that other people don't? No, because he's willing to trade Ben Simmons for him. And again, I'm speculating about that. I said if that was the reason. There's another report that says the Rockets owner specifically said we're not trading him to Maury. That sounds mad that Maury. Again, it's conjecture and speculation, but um, it for some reason it didn't happen. Um, and if it did, the Nets would you know would have been hard pressed, you know, with the group that they had. Without before the Harden trade, even with all those guys, Lavert and Allen and Prince, they would have been hard pressed to get past Philly. With you know, if they had Harden and Bede and Harris and all their other guys, how how do you think a DeAndre Jordan versus Joel Embiid matchup is going to go? Well, I'll tell you this: I uh, I thought Allen did an okay job the time they played. Uh, they played Philly early in the year. Um, could have been because Philly was on a back-to-back. But in most cases, Allen gives ground when he's backed in. Jordan really doesn't give ground. It's the, the issue with Jordan is, you know, when the ball goes up, he's not exactly going hard after it. <laughs> no, nor, nor is he able that's to. That's the issue. Yeah, he, won't, he also won't move out of the, the low block. I mean, he won't come out on anything. If, if Joel Embiid goes to the three-point line, he is not going past the – DeAndre is not going past the free-throw line. He just will not well, move. Well, Allen really didn't either. I mean, you know, the, the plan is always, you know, if he's missing, let him keep firing up and missing. Uh, so I, the Nets centers in general don't guard uh, three-point shooting fives. Uh-huh. Uh, it's just you'll, – you'll see tonight with Vukovic – uh, oh God! What happens there? You know, <laughs> I don't know if Durant guards him. I, I have no idea what's going to happen. But um, yeah, we have yeah, a way of, to... of making Vucevic look like the greatest center on uh, <laughs> in the NBA when he plays the Nets. And remember that Jared Allen was covering him the majority of the time. It was not DeAndre <laughs> Jordan. So it, 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 it's a it's a it's a fallacy to think that the whole team is going to fall apart because they don't have Jared Allen. You know, they'll they'll lose something, you know, in rim protection and highlight reel uh, dunks and blocks. But uh, they're, they're going to get James Harden, you know, ready to, you know, at an, M- an MVP type player to add alongside Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving. And that is something Nets fans 
never dreamed of happening as recently as six years ago, or as far away as six years ago. Yes, and that that much is very true. I don't think any of us could have anticipated that we would have uh, even one superstar, um, you know, let alone three. Um, well, on, on that optimistic note, um, Steve, we will let you go. Thank you so much for um, talking to us. Um, and once again, folks, please check um, Steve's workout um, at WFAN. Um, he's the city game podcast as well as his columns. Um, and in addition to his nets coverage, he is also a great source for jets and devils coverage. Thank you, Steve. Thanks, Steve. Thank you guys. Take care guys. All right. Talk to you soon. Bye. All right. We're back after a lovely Simon, lovely, interview with one of our favorite Nets people in existence, Steve Lichtenstein. Um, are you still sort of basking in the glow of that conversation? Yes, indeed. Um, you know, we only get one about once every year, and that's not because of Steve. Uh, uh, um, I shouldn't make it seem like Steve won't won't have us. Um, but, you know, we... we um, we try not to we, impose on his time more than annually. Exactly. So, so we only get him about once a year, and um, it's the, always a the pleasure. The seacock is st- sage, I call him. <laughs> I actually have no idea where he's. I just know he's in Jersey somewhere. I think but. he's in deeper Jersey than Secaucus. Okay. Well, anyway, we don't need to speculate <laughs> on where uh, he lives. For the next <laughs> ten minutes, I would like to go. Is it Wyckoff? Right. And. Is it, what relation to Nick Stauskas uh, does it have? <laughs> yeah. This, of course, what? a reference to our Emergency James Harden <laughs> podcast in which we went on a minimum 10-minute tangent on <laughs> where Nick Stauskas is today. So, can I, <laughs> yes. Along those lines, William, can you believe that <laughs> it took seven first-round picks, a second-round pick, Cash considerations, Karis LeVert, Jared Allen, and Rudy Kuroks just to get off of Torian Prince's contract. <laughs> in, in the Prince trade? Yeah. <laughs> you know what? Worth it. I would have given up one more first rounder. <laughs> it was, it's an onerous contract. I am very glad to be off of that thing. <laughs> so, Simon, <laughs> you were just explaining to me that there are some new wrinkles with the Karis Levert physicale. Yes, there were, and I am only going on tweets from various uh, insiders um, here. But on, uh, Unlike usual, where we go exclusively from our own internal sources. <laughs> right. I am right where I read an article about from an insider. <laughs> Those are more more thorough. <laughs> it's to um, a subscription-only website, though, so not everybody maybe, can access it. Maybe next time on Patreon you can get <laughs> our thoughts based on articles that other people have written. But for the non-paying customers, you have to go on the tweets that we read. Um, okay. I wouldn't go on to a lot of those subscription sites right now if you're looking for trade grades, by the way, on the the (laughs) most recent Nets blockbuster. (laughs) ESPN Plus is a danger zone for those of you looking for a trade grade. 
Pinhead Pelton giving us a <laughs> giving us a beating. I think the machine's broken. Yeah, yeah, please don't be so right like you were on the crab trade. Um, okay, so the latest is, folks, we had all thought that um, what was happening was we were trading Karis LeVert to the Rockets. The Rockets were rerouting Karis LeVert to Indiana in exchange for Oladipo. Instead, because of a quote-unquote issue with um, – Karis LeVert's physical. Now the Nets are just sending straight up Karis LeVert as well as cash considerations, as well as a second-round pick. I know Steve said it was the pick that we were getting in this trade, which I can't honestly remember where that was coming from. But um, what some sort of second-round pick is going to Indiana as well as cash considerations. It's going from Cleveland, I believe. From Cleveland, okay. Um to your Indiana Pacers. <laughs> from Cleveland um, with love. Yes, from Cleveland with love. <laughs> I saw a picture, William, of – and I'd love to talk about this because we really didn't get into the player – you know, what it means to lose the players that we lost in our emergency podcast. It was pretty hard and focused. Yeah. Which makes sense. But uh, Pretty Stauskas focused, you mean? <laughs> for what little was left after the Stauskas <laughs> drama. Which I think we settled. He's not in the NBA. Um, maybe overseas. Um, but I don't want to get sucked into that. Yeah. The more the That's the honeypot that draws us in every time. <laughs> okay. No more Stauskas, Simon. Um, <laughs> I, um, I saw a photo of Jared Allen on the, the Cleveland bench yesterday. And it made it. I, my throat tightened. It was very hard to see. He looked oh. lonely. He looked lost. Yeah, I mean, the only virtue is he's going to be able to get a bigger place there. So I think mom, mom and dad can move in full time with the guy. But oh yeah, you're going to want to. You can move into the palatial estate, <laughs> like the Plano real estate or wherever they live. What was it? Little Little Rock, something rock, like outside think- of Austin. Okay, they, sure. They are going to – remember when we did that whole bit about uh-huh. its experience? Yeah, I do. <laughs> um, so, this okay, place has right? gone to some dark, dark places, this podcast. <laughs> yeah, that was a little – we were a little free, more freewheeling. We weren't chasing that uh, spawn con. Um, <laughs> Speaking of which, if you or anyone you know works at or around Manscaped, please put them back in touch with us. We can do better. Also, um, also refer us to 400 of your closest friends. <laughs> oh, goodness. Okay, so, so um, yeah, the real estate in Cleveland is going to be so much better. It's a breath of fresh air for, for Jarrett. Now, what I will say, poor Jarrett is probably going to hurt from is like he would always post things on his Twitter or possibly Instagram about like, um, you know, like, oh, today's order is like this ramen that you recommended and like, you know, blah, blah, blah. Like right. that's not going to. No, it's like, hey, I got uh some really good mott sticks for the third time in a row tonight. <laughs> it's Italian tonight. I didn't want to get hate crimes, so I got the extra ranch um, that they were pushing. 
Luckily, no one from Cleveland listens to this podcast. <laughs> and if you do, tell us about the Manscaped guy. Right. <laughs> Refer us to 400 <laughs> of your closest <laughs> Nets fan friends. Right. Shit, but it sucks. I mean, it, it really is. It hurts to lose um, Karis. It hurts to lose Jarrett. You know, those were two ride-or-die dudes who were there. I mean, Karis was there from the very beginning of the rebuild. Jarrett was there just shortly after, the, the first year. Um, and those were two of the – you know, I, I remember games where I would – I re- truly did not care if we won or lost because we were, you know, on a, one of those years where we won either 20 or 28 games. And the only thing I cared about was how well Karis did. So, you know, he, he carried me through some very, some very, very lean times. Um, well, I'm glad you're, you're still here. You made it. <laughs> uh, one thing I thought that was really interesting that I, that I realized I didn't get to follow up with Steve about was, uh-huh. was the idea that it wasn't Tyrese Maxey that was the deal breaker with the Sixers, but it was Tillman Fertitta saying that he would just not do a deal with Daryl Morey. And that, to me, just makes a lot more sense than the Nets had the better offer. Because I think Ben Simmons, and even if it's Thibel and then a few picks, has to be the better deal. I mean, they clearly didn't want any of the Nets players. They, I mean, even they, no, Yeah, and even no picks. I, I, I would say if you're going to take a, a seven-shot chance, right? Right. You're probably not going to end up with somebody as good as Ben Simmons. No, I mean, you absolutely. Could, you definitely could, but like the odds are you're not going to get an all NBA caliber player. No, uh, 100%. And I, and it sounded like a lot of people thought the deal was going to go through. It sounds like Simmons camp thought it was going to go through. And then all of a sudden, Nets won. And Houston kept none of the players, and they got Oladipo, whose contract expires, and, you know, it, it just, it would just make so much sense if the uh, sage behind Shut Up and Listen interfered <laughs> in this transaction and forced uh, the hand of the new Raphael Stone, I think is his name, the new right. GM of the right. Rockets, to not do a, do, a deal with Daryl Morey. Yeah, and one of the things that I have been telling myself to sort of try to ease my my concern. Um, by the way, Hil- Hillary recently asked um, if she was going to have to put up with seven years of how distracted I've been um, <laughs> over, the last, over the last few days. <laughs> So in, in part of my efforts to uh, save my marriage and be a reasonable person over the next seven years, I I have tried to say that like and this is why I've been I was asking you about the the pick swaps and whether you can trade them. I still don't know. Nets fans, if you know, send send your knowledge about how pick swaps work and whether you can they Houston could potentially trade them to another team who would swap with us um, to maybe next time at gmail dot com, but. Basically, I think that the the Rockets are the new, like, uh, James Dolan uh, West. Like, I think Robert Sarver's crown has been taken by Tillman Fertitta. And in those pick swap years, unlike the Celtics, I think there is a very decent chance that 
even if our pick is is worse is is better however you want to look at it is is a is a pick that is like closer to the number one pick like we could still be getting good picks in those years yeah Um, no i don't don't see a rosy future ahead for houston in the tillman era right i agree i agree now he could sell it um you know, sooner than 2027. I would not be surprised by that. Yeah, that's a, that's a generous term for what might happen to his team. I think it could be an <laughs> asset seizure in a relatively brief <laughs> period of time if Bubba Gump doesn't rebound and fast. <laughs> Shut up and listen, yes, Bubba Gump. <laughs> you know, he owns that, um, that, uh, that aquarium restaurant that we went to on our other our rival podcast that we also run. It's called You um, Talking to Menu. And if you're a fan of this type of banter, you're going to love that one. Yeah, but he owns the that torturous um, 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 aquarium restaurant. In Denver, Colorado. Wonderful. Yes. Wonderful. That's news you can use, folks. Um, so I had two other very quick things I wanted to get to. Let's do it. All right. One is called, is a new segment called random thought. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. I'm ready. So I was watching a bulls game the other day and guess who they've got on their team, a former net by the name of Garrett temple. Yes. Uh, uh, Oh man. I didn't predict before the season how much the Nets were going to potentially miss Garrett Temple. He is exactly the type of guy the Nets could use right now, honestly. Mm-hmm. He, he plays defense. Yeah, he plays defense. <laughs> he looked at times on the Bulls, just like he did many times last season on the Nets, like the best guy on the court offensively. But he's also, yeah, stable defensive presence. He was a great locker room guy. Maybe he could have helped Kyrie back from personal leave. Who knows? Uh, but anyway, I just think at the time, I barely thought about it at all that we'd lost Garrett Temple. But I think that could prove to be a bigger loss than uh, any of us gave it credit for at the time. So that's my random thought of the week. Yeah. And then I've got an extraordinarily brief stat station, Simon. And this is stat station choo-choo, the Shamit special. Oh, God. Oh, no. <laughs> I've been avoiding this station for so long for this very reason. This is a very quick stop in uh, the Shamit special stat station. First of all, did you know he has two nicknames on basketball reference, neither of which I was aware of? First one, you know, uh, you can at least see how people got there. It's Lambo. Uh, uh Uh-huh. Okay. Uh, I mean, his first name's Landry. I guess Lambo sort of makes sense. The second one, inexplicably, is one a day. Huh. Any clue what that could mean? No. Is he a pill popper? (laughs) (laughs) But not to excess. Only once a day. Right. He's a regular user of an, a drug he's addicted to. <laughs> right. But, but a, a, yeah, very regimented. All right. So uh, a little bit more stats focus God, here after please. the uh, after the 
They just torture. <laughs> He's averaging a career low in points, Simon. He's yeah. down to just over five a game, which is about half of what he averaged on the Clippers last year. He's averaging a career low in assists and a career low in rebounds. Tip of the hat to you, my friend. Uh, worse than that is that he's... <laughs> That he's shooting worse than he has in his entire career. Currently at 29% from three, he's a career 39% three-point shooter. And he's shooting fifth, he, his true shooting percentage is 50%, 5% below league average, down from his career average of 60%. We didn't need the stats to confirm this. We all knew this before I began, uh, you know, listing those numbers but simon what the hell is landry shamit doing is it a slump or is this who he is i am very worried about landry um he they were talking on um one of the myriad podcasts I, maybe it was um uh the hoop collective where they were like yeah landry shamit hasn't shot the ball well in like a year yeah um because I guess he was really tailing off there with the Clippers. Um, In the and, bubble, for sure. Yeah, and he, even even before that, it sounds like. And then, yes, now he has been nothing but awful. And as we mentioned on our on our emergency pod last year, or uh, a few days ago, sorry, um, he uh, is resorted to having very ominous things posted on, you know, tweeting things like, you know, pain is pleasure. Kill me now, but don't because every torturous moment of my life will make me a better person. Blah, blah, blah. Um, it is always a terrible sign when one of your players starts tweeting those things. We've seen it. We saw it with Sean Kilpatrick. We saw it with, with, uh, with, um, Torian Prince. I'm sure if he were more of a social media user, we would have seen it with Alan Crabb. Um, it is the spiral downward of your 3 and D. Guy. Yeah. You know who's having a stellar rookie year? Sadiq Bey. Oh, you God, know who's, don't you tell know, me You know is. who's playing a ton of minutes, and I believe starting for the Los Angeles Clippers? Sadiq Bey? No, no, no. No, Kennard. Luke Kennard, yes. So two of the three pieces in that trade were quite good. Fuck. That... Is heartbreaking. Yeah, I was excited for. I wanted to say, be to in full disclosure and, and transparency, I was excited for Landry Shamit. Um, but it is impossible to be excited for somebody averaging five point four points, shooting thirty three percent. All the stats you just said, he stinks. <laughs> <laughs> just something to keep an eye on. Yeah. Um, okay. Well, I think we've got to end this one, Simon. Unless you have some final thoughts. No, nothing. Thank you again to Steve Lichtenstein. Always a pleasure, always a treasure to have you on our our podcast. All right, folks, we will go ahead and see you next time. I was tired of my lady. We'd been together too long. Like a worn out recording of a favorite song. So while she lay there sleeping, the paper in bed and in the personal columns there was this letter I read if you like pina colada